2 Peter chapter 3, the second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I want to talk about modern day scoffers for a few moments this evening, if I may. Of all the subjects in the Bible, the coming of the Lord is mentioned about as much as any other subject that we find in the Word of God. Peter was writing to a group of Christians that were being severely persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Peter himself was martyred some 30 to 35 years after the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven. And yet he was trying to tell the people that Jesus Christ is coming back. And yet if he was saying that scoffers had entered into the church during his time, how bad is it today for the modern day scoffer telling us that the Lord is not coming back at all? There are many that would say that things continue on just as they were in the beginning. And they do not believe that the Lord is going to come back at all. Friend, we were warned that they would come, and come they have in this last day. Not only have they come from politics, not only have they come from the media, not only have they come from many of the unsaved of this world in the establishment of, 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 of religion, but I want to tell you, the modern day scoffer uh, can be seen coming out of the church today where we even have many fundamentalist preachers uh, dressed in their polo shirts uh, and their blue jeans uh, with a PhD beside of their name, and yet they are saying through their small, uh, smooth, uh, soft and smooth uh, preaching, uh, that Jesus Christ is not coming back ever again uh, to this world. Many of these men and women uh, have reverend by their name. They have doctor by their name. Uh, they have apostle by their name. They have evangelist by their name. And they also have prophet by their name. But more times than not, they are simply wolves uh, in sheep's clothing uh, that are out to deceive us uh, that we will continue to think that Jesus Christ uh, is not coming back. I read something some time ago of a man who said that he was smarter than Jesus Christ. He was a preacher. I heard another Assembly of God pastor one time say, Lord, I know more about this subject than you do. I think there's something wrong with that kind of arrogancy within the life of people. But these polished, eloquent preachers, I want to tell you, Peter had their number over 2,000 years ago. They are, in fact, part of the fulfillment of this prophecy uh, that said in the latter days there will be many that will say uh, the Lord is not coming back. The days that we live in are certainly evil days in which we're alive today. But Jesus said you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. He also said, as it was in the days of Noah, uh, so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. That was happening in the days of Noah. Well, the days where the earth were corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Let me ask you a question. Was the earth ever as corrupt then as it is now? 
where the streets of Sodom and Gomorrah as bad then as our streets are today. I ask you, uh, were there school systems uh, better off than our school systems are today? Uh, many in the public school arena today, uh, they have policemen on every corner of the schools perhaps. And yet we know that there are metal detectors that students and teachers have to walk through to educate our children uh, in this hour in which we are living. I'm going to tell you, it is a bad, sick world in which we live today. And I don't have to tell you that you already know it. I read a story some time ago about a teacher in California in a public school. And yet the class was over. She was in there doing some work. And this young man bulged in, broke into the school, and locked the door and at knife point had her by the throat. And yet she recognized this young man as being one of her former students of days, days gone by. She remembered that he had raped a pregnant woman and killed her. She remembered the same man I had killed an elderly man. And now with a knife to her throat, he continued to violate her body and then stole her jewelry and walked out of there as if though nothing ever happened. She was being interviewed sometime later and they asked the question, what happened to that young man that did this hideous crime against you and these other two people? And she says, as far as I know, nothing has been done. Friend, this is a day of open face, everything done in public today. Solomon said there is nothing new under the sun and that is true. But it seems like things are more open than they've ever been before. Things that were one time done in secret are now being walking out of the closet and, and doing before everybody to see. Uh, today, the sins of uh, uh, the violence that we see is parading and striding down the streets uh, of the day in which we live, and, and yet it seems like nobody wants to do anything about it whatsoever. It flashes itself on our TV screens, all the sin that we call entertainment. Uh, we see it on the internet, uh, through the Facebook, things sometimes that just boggle our mind that what we're seeing. It's a day when crime and murder and rape and pornography and the gross sins uh, saturate the uh, the, the TV news screens and saturate the internet and it seems like we thirst for more and more and more of this stuff. This is the way it is with all the vile and the vulgar and the vicious gross acts. Uh, they get the headlines. And today millions upon millions of dollars are spent every year uh, to make sure that these sins are still advertised on the TV, on the radio, uh, on music, whatever it may be, it's still there. I remind you that the barbarians were a mild set of people uh, compared to the educated savages that we have in our land even uh, today. It took brains to invent a method that you can fry society in its own grease. It, it took brains uh, to know how to replace God uh, with the God of science in which we have today. Uh, it took, if you will, one writer said, we are the cruelest, most ruthless species uh, that's ever walked upon this earth. And yet the scoffer has left God Almighty out of his thinking. The scoffer has left God Almighty out of her thinking today. Uh, the scoffer says that we as Christians are supposed to accept uh, the sins that we see taking place in the streets of America uh, as commonplace. Uh, the scoffer says uh, that it's okay uh, to allow X-rated music uh, to infiltrate the minds of our children. We just need to come of a life, uh, come of age and get over it. Uh, the scoffer says that you deal with marriage problem uh, by divorcing and going to another woman or another man. Uh, the scoffer says go ahead and kill that innocent child in the womb of its mother because after all we have our right uh, we have our 
rights to do what we need to do. Friend, you also had the right not to crawl on the bed with Joe Dobelly and get pregnant to begin with, and yet you did it, and now there should be responsibility uh, for caring for that child which you bore. And yet they're saying, but no, uh, the scoffer said, don't do those things at all. Uh, the scoffer also says that uh, we are to uh, roll over and play dead because nobody, you're nobody except somebody that's in the way of causing me want to continue to sin and do those things that makes me feel good in the world that you live in. I remind you, friends, that murders and, and muggings and AIDS and venereal disease and monkey pox and the list goes on and on is now an accepted way of living. And they say, Christian, you might as well learn to face the music because that's the way things really are. I've heard people say, you Christians, you need to soften up your message. You need to take a back seat. You need to hold on and cringe because, brother, this is the way it is. For in the last day, perilous time shall come. Demonic inspired activity will come. And that is true. But there's another side to that coin that we often forget. There's another side of that picture that we often forget. The Bible did say that perilous times will come. And my friend, they are upon us today. But Jesus also said, uh, the Bible also said and prophesied that these days should not take us unaware. He also said that in the last day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh before the great and terrible day of the Lord. As true to believers, we must take a stand uh, today to know that we're not going to kowtow down to what the scoffer tells us to do, but we will stand up and to do what Jesus Christ uh, told us to do. If it is true, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If it is true, Jesus and I will stand upon this rock and build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If it is true and it is uh, that there's no weapon formed against me will prosper. If it's true and it is that I don't have to fear sudden fear that I believe my friend we need to stand up and boldly proclaim let the scoffer say what he wants but this is what the Bible said and this is what Jesus said and this is what we're going to do for the glory of God. As a true believer, we've got to take a last day stand against the message that's being preached from the pit of hell. What is that message? Any message that contradicts the truth and the integrity of God's word. When people say Jesus is not coming back, I point to the word of God, he's coming back. When people say Jesus can't save, I point to the word of God, he is still saving. When the scoffer said, uh, Jesus can only go baptized in the Holy Spirit, I say, you come too late to tell me, he still pours out his spirit uh, in this last day. And I believe we need to take that stand. Brothers and sisters, what's the message? Anything that goes against the word of God. It's high time that the church wake up, we stand up, we speak up, or we shut up and sit down and let the world go to hell all by itself. The world we live in is sick. It is sin sick. It is war sick. Uh, it is uh, heart sick because of all the corruption that's taking place in our land today. In a day of worn out people that are overworked in the church, in a day of worn out people that are so sick and tired of hearing the news uh, that is crammed down our faces and down our throats every day uh, like the gospel, uh, that we have to believe that. And in a day of glamorized gospel shows and televised preachers that believe uh, they're more out for the almighty dollar uh, than they are for the souls to be saved, I think it's high time that we uh, bring order uh, to our own house today. 
Friend, let me tell you, we need to be cleansed by the power of the Holy Ghost of God. We need to be energized by the power of the Holy Ghost of God. And then we will have more than just a message. We will have a powerful message for the message in which we live that the world can be turned right upside again in a way that God intended it for to be. With our lips anointed of the Holy Spirit, with our lives cleansed from all iniquity, with the Holy Ghost burning deep within our heart today, I believe that we can have deep concern and conviction for this world. Now, I know it's not popular, but I still believe the message is you turn or you burn. You repent or you're lost. Uh, you turn right or you're going to be left. There's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. And people say, don't you talk like that because it offends. Let me tell you something. If you can't offend somebody, you can't tell them the truth sometime. The truth will offend from time to time. But I would heap rather offend somebody here and now by telling them the truth of God's word than for them to stand before the judgment bar of God pointing a long bony finger in my face and say, why were you so politically correct? Why were you afraid to tell me the truth? If you really love me, why did you not say that there's a God in heaven who loves me and it's a fearful thing to stand in the presence of a holy God? For it's appointed that a man wants to die and after that there's the judgment. And the only way to be peace with God in that judgment is to be washed in his blood, be filled with what he asks of us to do. Let me ask you a question. How much longer will God tolerate the iniquities of America? We're rapidly becoming less of a superpower and more of a super joke in this world. Can I say it again? I said that out loud, didn't I? We're becoming less and less of a superpower and more of a super joke in this world. We have on our coins in God we trust, but we kick God out of our schools. What we cannot legalize, or what we cannot control rather, we legalize. Be it marijuana, be it moonshine liquor, be it prostitution, whatever. We murder nearly a million babies a year, and marriages are going south in a lot of places, and even the Bible Belt's losing a few notches today. We hold world records in alcoholic victims and drug abuse and venereal disease. Our jails are so packed that many of the guilty are being sprung early to make room for new criminals coming in. I will never forget when I was in college, Brother Shelton was one of my professors, dear, dear man. I can't remember which one of our co your colleagues said this, but I remember it comes to mind. In one of the classes, he said he read an article of a newspaper where a man, a couple of men, had robbed a store. And a bystander saw what was going on. And he parked his car in so that the getaway car could not get away till the police came. He was trapped. They arrested the wrongdoers, the thieves. They went to jail, went before the trial, and the judge kicked the case out because it, the crook didn't have a fair chance to escape. Now that's the world, that's the justice system that we live in today. We as a nation worship sports. Our television is filled with programs that ought to insult our intelligence. But where is the message of God telling the world to flee from the wrath to come? There are millions of people in this world who claim to believe that Jesus Christ is coming. 
But yet they continue to live a life of carnality. A life that what brings pleasure to the flesh. And they continue to live a life that brings discord rather than unity among the people of God. And all I see around today in this world reminds me and points to the fact that Jesus Christ indeed is coming soon. The Bible tells me in 2 Timothy 3, chapter 1, and verse 5, but you must realize in the last days, the times will be full of danger. Men will become utterly self-centered, greedy for money, full of big words, they'll proud and contemptuous. Uh, without any regard for what their parents taught them, they will be utterly lacking in gratitude, purity, and normal human affection. They will be men of unscrupulous speech and have no control of themselves. They will be passionate and unprincipled, treacherous, self-willed, conceited, loving all that which gives them pleasure instead of loving God. They will maintain a facade of religion, but their conduct will deny its validity. You must keep clear of people like this. That's reading from the J.B. Phillips translation. Did you see on the news just the other night where this guy attacked that woman in the subway and beat her and beat her and kicked her and now she'll lose her eyesight? No conscience, no care, no regard for human life. The message is clear. Stay away from such people. Many today are in bad shape because they've compromised. And this is a temptation we all face. Let me just be blunt. You didn't know I could be blunt, did you? When I was first saved, Sunday night services were the evangelistic service. And I literally have seen people stand in line to give their heart to Jesus. The saints of God would come back and pray and they'd come back and worship the Lord and preaching would be great and conviction would be there and the church was being built. Sunday morning, the crowds came. Wednesday night, the crowds came. Why? People had a love for God. Now, preacher, you saying because I don't come to church, I don't love God? I'm not saying that. It's between you and the Lord. I'm just saying what's happened. You know, we're one of the few churches, not that we're bearing anybody else, but one of the few churches on Sunday night has service anymore. And sometimes we have slim pickings. What am I saying? We go the way the world. We go the way of other Christians. We go the way of other churches. And we've compromised. And we wonder, God, why do we not see your power? Why do we not see the conviction? Why do we not see the salvation? Why do we not see the healing? Why do we not see the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why do we not see the deliverances? Many times, church, is because I believe we've not given the Holy Spirit enough to work with. He will not force himself on us. He wants us to cooperate with him. And yet many times it's simply a compromise. Someone said, you can't tell the church from the world. Billy Melvin, who used to be the executive director of the National Association of Evangelicals, said, My concern is that the measure of infiltration by the world into the church, we've been influenced far more than we would like to admit. This infiltration has dulled our effectiveness, blurred our vision, and caused us to adapt worldly standards of success, end quote. A hundred years ago, one man said, I looked for the church and I found it in the world. I looked for the world 
and I found it in the church. Beloved, you've heard me say it's okay if you put the boat in the water. It's where it's supposed to be. But if you get water in the boat, it's going down. And the church is supposed to be in the world, influencing, directing, changing this world one soul at a time. But when the world comes into the church, it's compromised. And we're no longer effective the way God intended the church to be effective. Are things better today? Some churches get upset and some Christians get upset. If you say, well, you've compromised and the world's crept in among us, we call it growth. We call it advancement. We call it changing with the times. We change names on our churches. Why do we do that? Sometimes it's the same old girl with a different dress on. Sometimes it's the same old empty ball with a new label going on top of it. Changing names not going to do a thing. It's when we call up on the name, the name of Jesus Christ, that I think is really going to get the job done. Some churches are nothing more, nothing less than entertainment centers today. And it would be easy to fall into that trap if we listened to several people uh, that would try to get us to fall into that trap. They would rather have the spectacular than the supernatural power of God. You know why? You can control the spectacular, but you can't control the supernatural. God hasn't called the church to be entertainment centers. He's called the church to be soul-saving stations. And there are many youth pastors and many children's pastors that look more like athletic directors today than they do preaching the word of God. But I believe this is the hour for the true men and women of God to come out of the closet and stand up and boldly proclaim what the word of God has said today. Our pulpits in America have been filled long too long with puppets on the devil's string this evening. Instead of heaven sent, God called fire in the belly preachers that will proclaim the word of God. I think it's time the church, it's past time the church put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God as a weapon and declare a war, a prayer, and fasting against all of hell that's come against this generation today. Friend, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and rulers of darkness of this present world. There is no bomb that's ever destroyed a demon, but there's no prayer and fasting that has ever failed to do so. And yet we would rather try to throw a bomb than to spend the time on our knees in prayer and fasting before God to see heaven come down. Our nation is likened to a car on ice, skidding, just waiting to collide with something. Are you hearing me? I believe that's where we are. But our politicians cannot help us. Thank God. The big American dollar can't help us. It's following more and more every day. Our so-called brains of the day cannot help us. They don't have the answers for the day, let alone the answers for tomorrow, because they know nothing about the power of the world to come. The church is the answer to today's problem. Jesus is the answer to today's problem. And as we seek the face of God, I believe he can give boldness. I believe he can give wisdom. I believe he can give anointing. I believe he can give messages, not sermons. I believe he can give what the world is lacking today, but he always works through the auspices of the church. Who takes the church seriously anymore as a superpower? Think about it. Who takes the church seriously anymore as a superpower? 
with revival in the church, with Jesus Christ at the head, with the Holy Spirit directing, we can be, we should be, we must be a superpower in this world. Pastor, what do you mean? The early church wasn't afraid of Rome. The early church wasn't afraid of Nero. The early church wasn't afraid of governments, wasn't afraid of demons, wasn't afraid of sinners, wasn't afraid of Fauci. Said that out loud too, didn't I? They feared God. They were an intentional rebellious. They were obedient, which made it look like rebellion. If we stand on the side of truth, those that have falsehood will hate us. If we stand for Jesus, those in the world will persecute us. If we are led by the Holy Spirit, it's going to be contrary to the way the world walks. So we better make up our mind whose side are we on. It's Jesus all the way. We need the power of the other world to infiltrate our world. And I believe genuine, bona fide, heaven-sent, God-ordained revival will do more for the church and do more for the world than any amount of money that we throw at it in this present day we live. Revival does not come easy. And nobody owns revival. I pray the first church of the frigid air will fall out and God will revive them. I pray new life assembly of God will fall out and God will send revival. I'm not talking about goosebumps. I'm not talking about the shout. I'm not talking about the dancing. I'm not talking about the hollering. I'm talking about a genuine move of the Holy Spirit of God that we read about in the Word, that we read about in history. Why not cannot God just make his holy deposit right here, right now among hungry hearts? We see the problems of the world today, but we don't have a holy city to run to. We have no Mecca to run to. We have no Rome to run to, but we can run back uh, to the, uh, to the, to the uh, cross of Calvary and once again uh, be crucified with Jesus Christ. We can run, if you will, uh, to the empty tomb and come out in resurrected life, and we can also run to the upper room and be full of the power of God once again. Seek out the old paths, he said, because the new paths are slippery. And they're wide. And they got trinkets and temptations all along that look good to the carnality of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. But it's that straight and narrow. You know, even the secular songwriters got it right in this respect. Led Zeppelin, wasn't it said there's a stairway to heaven? A highway to hell. Those are old songs in case you don't know it. Don't look them up because they're raunchy. But the stairway to heaven, that's short and narrow. But the highway to hell is broad. Even the secularist got that right. I got to hurry. Revival, no denomination owns it. Brothers and sisters, money can't buy this. Humanity can't ordain it. And we do not inherit it from our family. Revival. In the last 25 to 30 years, we've preached with the biggest budgets that churches has ever known, and it's still not moved our nation toward God. If I'm wrong, correct me. 
In the last 25 to 30 years, we have thrown more money with the biggest church budgets in history. And we've not moved our nation any closer to God. Does that scare you? This preacher comes on, we're reaching millions of people. Send me your money. The next preacher comes on the same channel. We're reaching millions of people. Send me your money. They're reaching the same millions. Thank God for TV ministry, though. One man said, if there was a Pope of Protestantism, I would appeal to him to close all the pulpits, all the Bible schools, all the seminaries for a month of heart searching and a month doing what Joel said. Sanctify ye fast. Call the solemn assembly. Gather the elders and the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. Put on sackcloth, ye priests, and mourn, you ministers of the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God, for the grain offering and the drink offering have been withheld from the house of your God. That, my friend, is the formula for revival. Is he bound to honor anything less? I said, is he bound to honor anything less? Let me close. Peter assured the scoffers of two things. One day is a thousand years of the Lord, and a thousand years is one day. That means that Jesus Christ has only been gone for two days. In the whole scheme of things, if a day of the Lord's a thousand years, he'd been gone two thousand years, that's only two days in God's economy. Long time in hours, but it's a short time in his. Secondly, Peter said, God is not slack concerning his promises, as many men count slackness. He has not forgotten about the promise of coming back. Amen. He has not forgotten about his promise of coming back. When's he coming, preacher? I don't know. Are you sure he's coming? Yep. He promised he'd come the first time. He promised he'd come the second time. The important thing is we need to occupy while we have the time. Redeem the time for the days are evil. Amen. And today's the day to do the work of God.